Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 is back. Tuesday edition is here with Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. The entire crew here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hope everyone had a wonderful, long Memorial Day weekend. A lot to discuss uh, in the, the world of sports uh, and, and beyond coming out of that weekend. Film reviews and more. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Got a little bit of everything to get into after that long weekend. I come away from long weekends like this with a lot of activities. Uh, feeling uh, even more exhausted than I was last week, uh, working every day during the week. So this is almost like my re-energy post when I get here for the show. I get re-energized by doing this show, Paul. It's not the long weekend that re-energizes me. That's what zaps my energy. It's getting here with you guys that brings the energy up. Um, I was re-energized by the weekend. I'm not going to lie. And I'm re-energized by, by being here. Short weeks are... Uh, Everybody likes a short week at, at work, so uh, you, you get the double whammy. You get the long weekend. I'm re-energized by that, and I'm re-energized by, uh, by being back with you. How about you, Hutton? You have a good weekend? Yeah, great weekend. I cooked out, uh, grilled out twice. Uh, went and saw Top Gun, which I was not expecting. I did not have that planned, and we, we went and did that. Um, threw my back out, doing some yard work. You know, your typical weekend You had a birthday me. recently, That's so right. you were due for some old man... Stuff. I was talking to a buddy who is a personal trainer to the stars. I'm not going to say uh, who he trains because but there's anonymity there. But uh, no, but it is someone similar to Carrie Underwood. But I was close, Paul. You actually almost nailed it. Kelly Clarkson. Um, no. Um, so I was talking to him at a cookout yesterday. It was a big leap from Carrie Underwood to Kelly I know. Clarkson. I, that's why I went there. Yeah, yeah. and he was he less, was less fit. He was saying that um, there's been a lot of studies shown that men age more than a year at the following years, and it's not anywhere close to 40. It's 34 is one big jump where you can see age on a man. 34, the next marker is 48, and the following one is 59. Those are the three points where men age the fastest. I'm glad I didn't know that at when they, those When they reach those points. But everybody thinks 40 is the one where you just fall off a cliff. Because he was telling me, he's like, I feel better now at 40 than I did at 34. For instance, and I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, at 34, that's when I lost a lot of weight. That's when I was feeling the worst. Like, I feel like I can do more physically now than at 34. So maybe there's something to that. Yeah. Now that I'm at 40, I didn't feel, you know, it's not like you turn 40 and overnight you're like, oh, well, now I'm now I'm old. But Hutton had a little bit of yard work over the weekend. And he's like, now now I'm old. Here it, I am. Yeah, I felt extremely old. Um, and it did, I didn't even hurt my back doing it. Uh, we I, I did this work. We uh, were replanting some things. And finished, went to see the the movie, and as I was getting up out of the recliner in the movie is whenever my back really started acting up. Like I was well, walking around like just, you know, like a board, just straight up and down. I couldn't move my back. We've all certainly 
uh, and uh, me, chief amongst us, uh, hit ages where you can now hurt yourself getting out of a chair, sneezing, uh, <laughs> doing doing things. Well, for me, that, that's thirty eight. Yeah, unfortunately. doing things that uh, we previously would have laughed at people hurting themselves doing. Something else, my buddy told me that's going to stick with me now because this is really all that I'm able to do now in terms of physical exercise and activity. He said, just do anything for 30 minutes a day. Walking, jogging, lifting a few weights, whatever it is. Because he says the older you get, it is pointless to work out more than about 42 minutes at a time. He said all of his workouts for his celebrities and everyone else is 40 to 45 minutes. He said as you get older, the longer you work out, that extra time is doing nothing. You're getting basically all your bang for your buck in any exercise in the first 40 to 45 minutes. You don't need to work out longer than that. And I told him I tried to do kind of a run walk around the neighborhood for three or four miles every day, and it, it, it's about 30 to 40 minutes. It's perfect. He said it's, it's shown that longevity with people that are just a little bit active every day, doing something active every day, not a lot, not ultra marathoners or people doing all these crazy things. It's the people that maintain some level of small activity daily that have the longest life of actually doing things. I really need to get off my bleep. You've got a Peloton also. I do. There's no excuse for you, Paul. You've got the high-priced equipment to stay in shape. I do. It's hard to get on it at this time of year when it's so nice out. I should go out and walk for half an hour. Have you thought about adding an actual bike to the I regiment? Have a, I have an actual bike. You know, nothing, got it all. nothing fancy, a hybrid bike that would be perfectly fine to go out and ride around for a half an hour, which I'd enjoy. I've always enjoyed biking. Same. I've got a good bike trail, not far out of my house i have not been on a bike in probably 17 years does peloton allow you to do it by the workout or do you have to do the subscription so like no if you, you have to do the subscription. you have to i don't know if you could you could either subscribe or you can have like a you could pay for one workout that's probably like double than, in the meter yeah no well that sucks so they make good money they make good money <laughs> off of me despite money. the fact that i'm not doing it but peloton and a lot of these companies that really thrive i mean net put netflix in the bucket pandemic i mean netflix was doing fine before the pandemic too but some companies that really took off during the pandemic because people were home peloton really took off have fallen back to earth in a big way like hurting uh you can get pelotons for far cheaper now um, Netflix, we know, uh, is way down and, and suffering now um, because a lot of people have changed their habits uh, since. And streaming has gotten a lot more competitive. Uh, Claire had not seen Top Gun, so we watched that on Netflix over the weekend before we went and saw the new, the new film. Uh, is it Maverick. on Netflix also? It was on. So what sparked me on this, it's on Netflix. Wow. But it was on Netflix through May 31st. So it's it, through today. You can watch Top Gun on Netflix, which is I wonder where it goes odd. next. Well, it's, it's everywhere. Like they, it's like they bought I, it for a certain amount of time. Honestly, though, like, I'm shocked that it's so many uh, streaming services have the rights to it because I I've, I got my dad set up on Amazon to watch it. We're going to go. I'm watching it for a second time. Yes, I am. Tomorrow with my dad for his birthday. So he wanted to watch the original. My dad served on, a, on an, uh, an aircraft carrier in the Navy, so he wanted to go back and watch that. It's on Amazon. It's on Paramount Plus, obviously. Yep. Paramount being the production studio. And Hutton, you're telling me it's also on Netflix. I feel like every it, yeah. streaming service has Top Gun as an option to go watch the original. I was flipping around, expected to find it or 
you know, movies of, yeah, it was not on of TV. its ilk, and I saw uh, and watched most of Forrest Gump. They, had, they were showing a ton of Mission Impossible on TV, but not Top Gun, Tom which Cruise clearly the streaming, the streaming uh, services purchased the rights to, to offer Time it, up. but not on TV. Because DirecTV, you, were, you had to pay like three bucks to watch it if you searched it out on your remote. I know we're going to talk a lot more about uh, Top Gun Maverick. Paul has not seen it. You and I have. I will say that it was more important to watch the original to get all the Easter eggs in the movie than yeah. I thought. I've seen it so many times I knew all of them. But the, uh, the example, without giving a spoiler, there is a major, major character in this film that is just a passing moment in the first one. Yes. That if you're not watching it right before you go see it and Hutton experience this, you're not going to get one of the people in the movie when you first see this person on, on film and the reference to that person because it is only mentioned one time in the original. So it's, it's more important than I thought. But anyone can enjoy it. It's also not something that's so heady that you've got to see the first one in order to enjoy the second it's one. Very it's very good. It's, it's mindless, good, summer, fun entertainment. It still makes sense to watch uh, Yeah, you want to see the first, the first. if you yeah. haven't. We will uh, we'll give our take, uh, non-spoiler alert take, coming up later this hour. In uh, hour number two, every Tuesday, John McClain joins us. And uh, to, to kick off our number two on Tuesdays, we will get into all the NFL topics and discussion. Uh, there's plenty across uh, the National Football League that we'll dive headfirst into. And um, in hour number three, we get into a bigger de- topic, uh, topic and discussion of, you know, we always say coaches and players need to do better in ignoring the noise. Umpires and officials should be doing the exact same thing. Refs, officials, and far too often – we're, we're seeing more and more reaction to this. We'll, we'll explain where we're headed with that in hour number three. Coming up in about 10 minutes, Bart Andrus is the head coach of the Philadelphia Stars in the USFL. He will join us as his Philly Stars take on the Michigan Panthers, uh, coached by Jeff Fisher. Uh, those two play Pop Warner football together, coach together, uh, and now coach against each other this coming weekend. Some backstories from uh, Bart Andrus uh, headed our way, who was here whenever the team moved to Nashville from Houston as a part of the Tennessee Oilers, but also helped out with Fisher's staff on the Rams uh, as a consultant for the RPO. We will dive into his expertise there and discuss how much uh, time was spent in the offseason with Andrus having to scout the 49ers and the Seahawks and Fisher's success against both of those teams as he was the head coach of the Rams. That's coming up in 10 minutes. Warriors and Celtics will face off in the NBA Finals. Um, Celtics win Game 7, 196 was the final score in Miami on Sunday night. And now Boston is back in the NBA Finals, taking on Golden State, who's there for the sixth time in the last eight years. And Boston has not lost back-to-back games now since their loss in the regular season in January. January 6th against the New York Knicks was the last time that they have lost consecutive games. And uh, that's actually, I take that back, they they did it once. They lost consecutive games one time, and it happened in March. Um, Since then, they've been on a roll. They they had a losing record. They were 18-21 and back in January. Now they're in the NBA Finals to take on the Warriors. So Paul has a rooting interest here. And we get to see a marquee staple franchise go against the franchise of the last decade in Golden State. I read 
Go ahead, Chad. Shout out also to Game Six and Seven for being very good competitive games. Yeah, uh, they were close games. Both of them. When when Boston took that lead, they went on that run. They were down pretty much the entire game. They went on a run. They hit a three to go up three. Miami called a timeout. I'm thinking, okay, Boston's going to win this thing at six. Crowd was going nuts uh, there in Boston, and Miami with Jimmy Butler with an amazing shot at the end of a shot clock. They advanced to a game seven. Game seven delivered. Was a close game as well down the stretch. So, Hutton, you wrote about the NBA needing more close games, not just long series, but competitive close games throughout those series. We got a pair of them in Game 6 and Game 7. I'm hoping that's a precursor to what should be a really good finals. I mean, I'm going to be surprised if this is not a six- or seven-game series. Well, the, 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 What we need, though, are close finishes throughout a six- or seven-game series. Yeah, but they, they've There's missed no their window. My, my, my point was they've missed their window of building other stars because by the time you get to the NBA Finals or the Eastern Conference, Western Conference you know Finals, guys. well, it, Jimmy Butler's taking over. It was great to watch Steph Curry. Uh, but early in the playoffs, I'm just asking for a reason to watch. You know, I'll tune in now, especially to a Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I, I need more to watch in the early portion of the playoffs, and those were largely boat races. You can say, like, it was a close series. They were not close games, and Chad's right. We saw Game 6 and Game 7 come down to the wire uh, where Butler is a fantastic player. I don't know about the Heat moving forward, uh, P.J. Tucker is probably not back. Uh, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry. Um, when you're looking at long-term what their investment is, they're a bit at a crossroads as a franchise. That was a big loss in Game 7 because their window, to me, a bit different than what Boston represents. I, I read a piece at The Ringer, which I feel like is in bed with the NBA based on Bill Simmons' love of the NBA. That really pissed me off. <laughs> Uh, about the the blowouts um, and the non-close series that um, you know ha- I can't find it right now, but it, it um, what it say it it basically w- the headline made it sound like it was going to make me feel better of, about oh. the blowouts, <laughs> but it didn't. What it said is, and it gave two examples that I I can't remember, but it's like you think of every se- th- this I agree with. You think of a series based on the best game in the series, right? But it said, like, um, remember this series and this game? Well, the other, uh, other games in that series sucked. They were all blowouts. And remember this series with these two games? Well, the other games in that series sucked. They were blowouts. So it was apolo- apologetic for the NBA. It said, you remember the good games or two in a series, and you think it was a good series because the good game or the good games were good. But the rest of the games in that series sucked. So... What you're watching right now is only a game or two away from being a good series in your eyes. Like an apology for the games all being blowouts. Because if just one of them was close or a definitive game was close, it'd be just like all the series have been lately and everything would be just fine. Yeah, is the article, the NBA playoffs have a blowout problem? Yes. Is the trend really worse than ever? Yes. Yeah, I I found the article and it says that the last 10 contests league-wide, two second-round game sevens and eight conference final games, this was six days ago, have been decided by an average margin of 17.6 points is how it begins. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the two comparisons uh, that it gave. A Clay Thompson game, I think, um, in, in a finals that made that series good when it's saying, what it's saying is the series really wasn't good. <laughs> there was just one good game that, 
that we remember that in our heads makes it a good series. So, so they're trying to justify all the blowouts now. Well, it's really not that bad. It's just one good game away from well, being the, a good series. Uh, the NBA doesn't have to justify their finals matchups. You know, they're going to get some viewers uh, just based off it being for a title. But they, they've, the, my argument has been they, they need to find a way to solve their issue early in the postseason. If you're going to have a playoff that lasts two months, there needs to be some more riveting matchups on a more consistent basis uh, to, to peak interest and, and build stars. And they have not been able to capitalize on that. That's not the league's problem uh, as much as it is the game-in, game-out issues that these teams have been having. But at the same time, you're looking for ways to tweak rosters and matchups to make it more conducive to build an audience. I, and I, there's uh, the NBA Finals to the NBA Finals. But if you're going to play for a month and a half before we actually tip off the NBA Finals, you need to have some more compelling matchups series-wise and final score-wise than 69-39 in the second quarter. Oh, I agree with you on that. But they still need good I, the ratings trend, in the finals, yeah, though. and and better yeah, games. I want they're a better, sell, they're better selling product, their product based tonight. on that. Also, yeah, but they're 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 also selling that the NBA playoffs matter. Um, when ultimately Golden State's back in the finals for the sixth time in eight years, and Boston is back and reloaded off of their finals run from a decade ago. Here's, well, the here's good news what for NBA saying. is the first two rounds of the playoffs, highest rating since 2014, yeah. even without LeBron James, even with the blowout. So John Morant something's lot, going man. right for the NBA, and those finals numbers will tick up. But believe you me, they are comparing finals every year, and you don't want to have that trend of going down. Here quickly is what they said. Think back to the 15-16 postseason for a prime example. What comes to mind? First answer is probably Game 7 of the finals, which featured LeBron James' famous block and Kyrie Irving's title-winning three. The other choice is Game 6 of the Western Conference Finals when Klay Thompson's second-half heroics saved the Warriors against the Thunder. Those were incredible series, right? Well, sure, as long as you ignore that Games 2 through 4 of the Warriors' Thunders were all decided by at least 24 points, and Games 1 through 6 of the Finals all finished with double-digit margins. Coming up, Bart Andrus will join us, head coach of the Philadelphia Stars. Um quite the career uh, as a head coach and assistant coach, offensive coordinator. Um, we'll tell some stories from the NFL days and get into why he is the guru of all things alternative football leagues. Uh, we'll explain that straight ahead. Outkick 360, excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience, our trusted partner that keeps Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. You're seeing VitalLifeScience.com, V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com is the website where you can see more information. Outkick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed, but here is Aurora. Unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. You can check everything out at VitalLifeScience.com, and when you check out, use the code OUTKICK360 for 15% off your order, again, that's code OUTKICK360 at VitaLifeScience.com. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience 
and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Outkick Kick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody in Nashville. Glad you're with us. The Philadelphia Stars and the USFL scored 22 unanswered points this past weekend to defeat the Houston Gamblers. And they've now won two straight games. They face the Michigan Panthers in their own division this week with the victory there in the postseason. This is week eight coming up. And so they take on Michigan. That that will be Sunday at noon Eastern. That's the big game on Fox. Uh, the doubleheader will be uh, later that evening, or afternoon rather. Uh, but Friday night through Sunday afternoon, you have the full slate of the USFL. Bart Andrus is the head coach of the Philadelphia Stars, and he joins us on Outkick 360. Coach, great to see you again. Hope things are well. Yeah, they are. Thanks. Doing so, well. So you are the you're you're the alternative league guru, as as Jeff Fisher <laughs> yeah, or, or Coach yeah. Mack would call you. This is league number five, I believe, um, outside yeah. of the outside of the NFL. Uh, does this league fit the same mold of, as the previous leagues that you've coached in now now seven weeks in, or is it a bit different in a good way? Uh, it's a bit different in a good way. Uh, it's, but, but a lot of similarities. Yeah. There, it's just, you know, where you're in the same place with the, you're, you're almost living with your team. Uh, those kind of things are, are very similar. Uh, and, but I, I tell you what, it's, it's a fun, it's, it's a fun league. It's, it's, uh, it's one that, uh, I, I enjoy this kind of player. These guys that haven't they haven't reached their 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 the total part of their potential yet. They they're still they're still working for that bigger contract. I, I just I really enjoy uh, a, a guy that's at that point in his career. Do you interact with the other coaches often in, in around Birmingham, other than trying to schedule your practices and when those can take place based on weather? Uh, just if you run into to, to one, uh, you know, at breakfast or out, if you're out to dinner or I don't see them a lot. I, I, I see Jeff uh, Fisher uh, more than any of the other guys, but we share a practice facility and we share meeting rooms. Uh, so um, other than that, the, the other guys, I run into them, you know, every so often. But 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 it, it's it's amazing. You're all in the same place. And, but on different schedules. So it's, it's, it's unusual that you wouldn't run into him, but I, I really don't. Coach, it's funny you bring up Jeff Fisher because we talked to him right before the season kicked off and he said that you were avoiding him like the plague, <laughs> that he had a lot of questions yeah. to ask you about these leagues and that somehow you either didn't have his number or every time he got in the elevator, you were somewhere else. Uh, can you confirm that you, in fact, were ducking Coach Fisher before this season? 
that that's absolutely false. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he knows exactly how to get a hold of me, and uh, you know, if anything, it's the other way around. You know, I'll call him, and I have to call back five times for him to pick up. You know, and so, uh, but no, actually, I talk with with Jeff probably more now than I ever have, even when we worked in the same building. So, uh, yeah, we're we're trying to always discussing. Hey, are you meeting in this room at this time? And it, all, all of those things are the, th- those, those are the uh, subject of our, our in-depth conversations now. Yeah. When you were shopping for graduate school, I, if I recall correctly, it's Miami, yeah. Stanford and, and BYU. Um, yeah. BYU is where you landed and you were with Lavelle Edwards as the head coach, Norm Chow as the offensive coordinator and Mike Holmgren as the quarterback coach. Uh, that sounds like a pretty good place to get a master's in football anyway. Um, how much did you learn from that trio in your time there that still carries over into the things you do today? Well, first of all, Lavelle Edwards, is he was a gem, and what a gentleman. Uh, and I, I always refer to him kind of as the gentleman coach uh, he was a guy that delegated. I learned, Hey, you gotta, you gotta give people things and then trust them to do it. And, uh, never, he was never that guy that had you watching the clock, which I, I was impressed with that. It was like, if you get the job done, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. Uh, so a lot of the, the administrative part of what, what you, what you get when you're a head coach and particularly at the pro level, uh, I learned from him, uh, the football part of it, yeah, it was really, really fortunate to be able to uh, work under, you know, guys like Norm Chow and and uh, Mike Holmgren and Lance Reynolds and some of the guys that 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 we had playing for us at that time. I mean, um, that that was a system that uh, had they, they were several years into it. Uh, they I, I watched how they listened to players uh, and uh, for for me going in there it was that that was what I was looking for when I when I decided hey I'm going to get a I'm going to get a master's degree and then I'm going to also uh take that step from from being a high school coach to to being a a college coach and I I look back on that and it was it was you know maybe one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. Bart Andrus is the head coach of the Philadelphia Stars he joins us on Outkick 360 uh, I know Fox has featured this already, uh, but you and, and Fisher played on the same Pop Warner team in Southern California. Your father, Doc, was one of the coaches. Uh, the yeah. photo that's been, making, uh, that been circulating, we, we, we've seen it, we're showing it now. Um, how, you've, you've known Fisher forever. Your father, I believe, yeah. is 90, and he'll be watching the game this weekend. Yeah. Uh, as you look back on, and we're seeing it now, so you're number 13 in the top left. Fisher's wearing 26 right. in the bottom left. Um, right. How, how cool of a, of a memory is this photo for you? And the fact that now in the USFL, both of you guys are, are still in the game and, and, and coaching this way. Well, yeah, it's, it brings a flood of memories back. Uh, it, it was, uh, it was uh, a great time in, in, in both our lives. Uh, as far as, you know, we grew up in the San Fernando Valley and in Southern California. Um, yeah, my dad was the head coach of the team. Um, the, we, we had other good players, 
uh, on the team, guys that we ended up later on playing, playing against each other in high, different high schools in the area. But, uh, you know, Jeff and, and I, we hit it off, you know, right away uh, that year. Uh, I remember, I don't know what the number was, but he had more touchdown catches that year than, than probably anybody in the whole conference. And um, it, it was a, it was a, another thing that was, we, we ended the regular season undefeated. So that, that part of it was really fun too. And, um, and it, you, you look back on that and you talk about, you know, the USFL now, and, you know, he was responsible for getting me into pro football. And I, I, I was kind of responsible for getting him into the USFL. I, I don't know if he appre- still appreciates that or not. <laughs> we, we recruited him hard. Uh, and, and uh, you know, between myself and Brian Woods and, and uh, Mike Pereira, we, we, we went after Jeff pretty hard because we, we, we could see and we, we knew that the, uh, w- what he would bring uh, to this league uh, in terms of, you know, he, he's what 11th in all time winningest coaches in the NFL, you know, that, that really, that really gives your, your league, uh, an, an added, uh, boost when, when you have a guy like him coaching in it. And then, you know, Mike wanted him, uh, he, he because he was the co-chair of the competition committee in the NFL for so long. So, I mean, he knows the rules inside and out, you know, and it, and, and with us, using some adaptive rules i think that really helped because he he can think through a rule faster than anybody i've ever seen and and and, and sometimes not in a good way you know, sometimes it's like well here's a loophole that i would do you know and and he, he he's he's ahead of everybody in, in that in in that phase of the game he's already had a few a few rules adjusted this year in midseason yeah uh, with how he sees the yeah. game how did you yeah. how did you go from Rocky Mountain College with the Battling Bears to the Tennessee yeah. Oilers? How did you make the jump to the Oilers? Well, I, I le- when I left BYU uh, at that time, you know, we it, the first year I was in grad school, we won the national championship and and which was an unusual thing for for BYU for that to happen. I mean, even to be ranked where we were. Uh and so uh, a year later uh, after our next season. And I think we only lost three games that year. Um, but there was, there were, there were a lot of people willing to, uh, hire guys that, that knew that offense. And so I, I went to Humboldt state out of there and, uh, um, went to work for a guy that I didn't know, which that's another unusual thing in coaching. So, um, then, you know, you make a couple moves here and there. I ended up in Montana State, Southern Utah, and had the opportunity to go back to Montana. I, I had played at the University of Montana. I went to school there, got my bachelor's. So it was kind of an attractive job for me to go back to Montana. And, and it was at the NAIA level, uh, and it was at a program that hadn't won a game in four years. So, you know, I, I thought, well, geez, if we go in and win a couple games, you know, we'll be okay. And, um, and, and the other thing was I, I, I got a chance to be for the first time, uh, do whatever I wanted to do on offense and not have to answer to anybody. Yeah. So, um, so I took the job and we turned the program, led the nation at all levels of college football in total offense and scoring that year. And, um, 
and, and I had stayed in touch with Jeff over the years because we were both kind of in the coaching profession. So he, he started out obviously playing in the NFL and then coaching in the NFL. And um, so he had a quality control job open at the Oilers and we talked about it and um, he decided to bring me in and, and he saw those positions at that time as there's a learning curve, you know, you need to come in, learn, learn the pro game. And, and so like without, without that, that, that friendship that we had established as 11 year olds uh, probably never would have happened that, that, that I would have gone to pro football at that time, but that's how it happened was, you know, he, he said, look, you, you deserve this. You, 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 you turned a program around and this is your opportunity. And then later um, he elevated me to the quarterback coach and, um, you know, the rest is, the rest is history, but the, the USFL, you know, their motto was united in football and, you know, two 11 year olds were united in football and, you know, we're, we're now both 64 and still united in football. Kind of it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it, it really, it's, it's a great story that, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that our friendship endured as long as it did. He would spend um, Fisher and his coaching staff spent all spring uh, a couple of off seasons studying the RPO game of Russell Wilson in yes. Seattle and and San Francisco and what the 49ers were doing. Right. And you were hired to be that defensive consultant where you would study this, bring in, and yeah. more or less give a seminar on what teams are trying to do versus the defense they're seeing and defensively what makes them confused. Uh, so yeah. after after you were hired and you went through all this spring of consulting. Did you see your report in action that following fall? Because he had a lot of success against both of those teams. Yeah, I actually, I, I did. And, you know, I would be there. Uh, it, this was when the Rams were still in St. Louis. And I would be there during the week prior to any scheduled game against a, against a, an opponent that ran RPOs at the time. Now, you're, you're talking 2013, 14 in that, you know, which was the – kind of the infancy of, of the RPO game at the professional level. You know, the colleges had been running it before. And, and you know, really, it, those type of schemes, they made their way down from, from Canada, from the CFL, you know, where you have only two downs to get a first down. And if you're going to run it, you have, to, you have to have, you know, something that's going to get you five yards. And if, they, if the run's you know, if a defense wants to stop the run, they can stop the run at the pro level. So that gives you another way to block a guy without touching him, you know, kind of like the naked game would, uh, you know, bootlegs and things like that. So, um, yeah, that, and that, that I, I, so I did that. I, you know, I was in and out of St. Louis, uh, for, for a while. And, um, it, it, that's another thing that, you know, Jeff gave me that opportunity to, to do that. Uh, and, but, but at the same time, I, I knew the RPO game uh, pretty well. Uh, and it, it was, it was for me, the, the benefit was that for the first time I got to sit in the defensive staff meetings and see how defensive coaches uh, really actually think and how uh, a lot of times what they thought they were seeing really wasn't what they were, really wasn't what the offense was doing. And it, kind of opened my eyes is that, you know, Hey, they, they, they think this is happening and that, that really isn't the case. Uh, and so it, it, it helped me in terms of rethinking 
how how I install my offense and how I take advantage of different things uh, that a defense is doing. Uh, whenever we met at the the USFL draft, you told me the story of Team Nine. Um, right, and, and I'm I'm setting you up for this. I'm not going to give away the punchline, but will you will you give us the toast that was made uh, when that league abruptly ended? Um, like what six weeks into the year? Yeah, yeah. Well, they, you know they 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 hired me to do Team Nine. Uh, they said you can you can hire two two assistant coaches. So I hired one on offense, one on defense, and both of them. I you, you, it was a really quick turnaround. I had to get, get them in there you know, pretty quick guys that, Hey, can you, can you spend up to 10 weeks here in, in Dallas? That's where we were headquartered. Uh, it ended up being five because of COVID, but. And team uh, nine, I want to let yeah. everyone know team nine is the practice squad group. Like the, the league had a practice squad. Right. All, all they would do is just practice in case someone got hurt and then they would be elevated off of that as the league. Exactly. Yeah. And it was a good idea because, uh, it, it, it kept quarterbacks. I had four quarterbacks and they were all practicing, throwing, uh, going team drills, seven on seven. So they got to pr- actually practice instead of just, you know, throwing the ball around. So, so anyway, uh, I, I hired two former NFL Europe head coaches because those guys understand alternative football. They understand kind of what, what, you, what, what our, our goal was with these guys on team nine. And, uh, w- w- the one was, uh, a defensive coordinator slash head coach in NFL Europe, Pete Kaharchek. Uh, the other guy was, uh, Peter Voss, but Pete, I had worked with him in NFL Europe and he really didn't like games. So he said <laughs> he called, he called game time, three hours of gut wrenching help. So, but he really loved the practice part of it. And so. At the end, when they finally said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna cease operations because of COVID," we all went out to to dinner, you know, have a beer and that kind of thing. And Pete raises his glass and he says, "He he looks at everybody, he goes to the best job I've ever had," you know, <laughs> <laughs> because he didn't he didn't have to play games. And then Peter chimed in and says, "To an undefeated season, <laughs> we didn't we didn't have any losses either." So. I love that to the greatest job I've ever had. And it's the league that yeah. folded in bankruptcy. Abruptly, Amazing. Final thing. Do you think we'll see an NFL Europe or, or something to that equivalent from the league in the future? Or is there just too much money being dumped into that at the time? And that's why the league hasn't tried to do this again. Yeah. I, I don't think the NFL is, uh, I, this is just my opinion. Yeah, I have yeah. no insight or inside information on this. But, uh, you know, I went through it, you know, I went through the closing of NFL Europe and, and, you know, it was a sad time because I thought, boy, this is really good. We, we had crowds of some places, 40 or 50,000 people, you know, and it really paved the way for what they're doing there now with regular season games. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that the NFL is, is, is ever going to do something like that again. Uh, particularly when they've got all these other alternative uh, uh, leagues trying to trying to fill the void, you know. Um, so, it, and it was very expensive. Uh, but in in the but when you're running, a, you know, at that time when they closed it up, I think it was about a twelve billion dollar company. Um, it 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 was really kind of a drop in the bucket, you know, for what for what what they were paying. Uh, I I. 
you know, I worked for Joe Moglia in the UFL, who was the, the CEO and uh, chairman of the board for TD Ameritrade. And he asked me, he said, what was it costing them? And I, I told him, he said, you know, if I'm the CEO of a company making that kind of money, I, I think of that, that amount, like I think of my little toenail, you know? So, <laughs> uh, and so, you know, what they were getting out of it was really positive. You, you saw, I think it was four years in a row we had a quarterback starting in the Super Bowl, you know, that had been in NFL Europe, which that that's really something there, you know, to say that. And, and that's really what it was. It was preparation. You can't simulate uh, anything for a quarterback other than live, live games. And that's, that's kind of what it did. And the officiating, yeah, we, we were preparing officials to go to the NFL and, and the biggest, the biggest change between college division one college, and getting in and, and going to the NFL is the speed of the game. And it gave them kind of that intermediate step to, to, to get used to, you know, being able to get used to the speed of the game. Bart Andrus has been our guest. He's the head coach of the Philadelphia Stars and uh, tons of stories and behind-the-scenes experiences. Uh, we could go on with this from the NFL days and more. Coach, thank you so much for the time, and uh, we'll be tuned in this weekend to watch you and, uh, and Fisher go head-to-head on Sunday. Good luck. Oh yeah, I, boy, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's going to be a fun weekend. Thank Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Thank coach. you. Take yeah. care. Bart Andrus has been our guest head coach at Philly, and again, that game is at noon Eastern on Fox this Sunday. A couple things on that NFL Europe idea. The thing is, like, if if there was such a thing, a team like the Titans wouldn't allocate somebody like Malik Willis. They'd allocate somebody like Logan Woodside, right? But even now. They think that having Logan Woodside at their offseason stuff is more valuable than sending him there, which it isn't. And they fear injuries for a guy like that, and they fear overwork. But what they'll tell you is the thousands of snaps that he would get over there, the proponents, are more valuable than anything he could be doing here in OTAs, where he's not getting a lot of snaps as it is. It's invaluable, and it's short-sighted for them to have stopped that. And look, you could talk all you want about USFL and upcoming XFL. It's developing some players that the the league might take, but it's not your guys. The thing you need is a place to ship your guys who need experience to get them experience. Yes, and not a one-way farm system where you're taking somebody else's guys into your thing potentially, but a place where you could send your underdeveloped guys to get a different kind of experience. Coming up in 15 minutes, we've got the 360 headlines plus John McClain. When we come back, Withrow's got the review for you, the non-spoiler review of Top Gun Maverick. This is Outkick 360. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Glad you're with us. Outkick 360 rolls on. They set box office records uh, this weekend on Memorial Day weekend. Top Gun did for all of us flooding the theater to go watch Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Claire and I certainly did that. Withrow did this on Sunday. Paul, I'm sure we'll be watching this soon because it's worth going to see. Chad, I'll, I'll turn it over to you because you have a column at Outkick.com regarding 
your review of this and, and more. Yeah, peace up right now at outkick.com. There's a lot of strength in a paint-by-numbers approach to filmmaking at times. And when I watch Top Gun Maverick, this is the best way to sum this up. As a fan of the original, it's clear in watching this that the creators of this version of Top Gun are diehard fans of the original. There's no cynicism to it. There's not a lot of cynicism to Tom Cruise in terms of how he makes movies. He is unabashedly optimistic and lacks cynicism that a lot of people have in their lives. And that comes across in this movie, and it works. Some may say, well, you know, they didn't really try a lot of creativity with different things, but my response to that would be, why mess with a formula you knew was going to work? They tap the vein of nostalgia. They spend a lot of money on action sequences. Oh, yeah. They've got a really good cast. <laughs> I'd love to know what that costs. I mean, the, the whole movie, much like the first, is a, is a two-hour-long charm offensive. From Jennifer Connelly to Tom Cruise to John Hamm to Ed Harris to Miles Teller uh, to Monica Barbaro and Glenn Powell, who we interviewed in Miami a couple of years ago. By the way, that movie was done filming for over a year when we yeah. interviewed them, and then two years after that, the it's movie finally hits theater. So it was a long time coming. But I just think everything that they tried in this version of Top Gun really worked. And I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but I don't think you have to be a fan of the first one to enjoy this one. But it certainly helps if you're a fan of the first one and are familiar with it to really get into the second one. Full theater for both of you? It was packed in the middle. I was there on a Sunday uh, night at 8 o'clock, and the entire middle rows, because everybody bought them in advance, it was packed all around me, but the sides were empty. We had, we had, a, we had some scattered empties, but this was one where you reserve your seat with the recliners and stuff, like maybe two or three empty seats by the time the movie got going. So full, yeah. Paul, I'll, if, I'll, you, if you want to avoid the crowds, I think over the next couple of weeks on a weeknight, you're going to be fine. There's going to be no, very few people there. I, the, well, the I'm one going thing, to the beach next week. Maybe the we'll one thing the I observed, just walk, like thinking about like, what it was, it doesn't have the same memorable soundtrack as the first film. Like you walk away thinking yeah. they could have gone back, they could have tied more into what they had, and they more Righteous Brothers. They didn't. They could they have didn't. used some more Righteous Brothers. I'm not saying it was bad. It's just not as memorable and iconic as that score from the '80s. Headlines next, plus John McClain on Outkick 360. <laughs> 